Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. Our goal is that this message builds your faith and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. Tonight we're going to be talking about a subject that is, um, it's serious. It's something that many people, millions of people in church and outside of church have dealt with. And that topic is depression. It's depression. And the message title for tonight is this. If you want to write this down in your notes, I believe that note takers are history makers. I believe that as you write things down, you'll also get them in your heart. You can take notes on your phone. You can follow along with your, uh, with your Bible app. You can put it down. But dealing with depression, dealing with depression. Now, I understand that you may have never battled depression in the past or even now, and you may think that you'll never face it in the future, but the truth is we all know people, we will know people, we have family and friends that, are, that have suffered, um, they are suffering, or they're going to come against depression in their lives. And I don't know about you, but I don't think the church should be silent about this issue. I don't think we should sit by the side while people in our church, people maybe even in our rows are are struggling and they're hurting and they're battling depression because the reality is depression is real. And we got to deal with depression because I've learned that if we don't deal with depression, depression will deal with us. And I'm no psychologist. I'm no doctor. I'm just a preacher that loves Jesus and I love God's people, but it's no secret, guys, just being honest, I want, this, I want this to get in your heart. We got to know this. We got to get this in our hearts. I, I'm no psychiatrist. I am no doctor. I'm just a preacher. But it's no secret that depression is running rampant right now uh, in, in people's lives today. And I did some research and studies, and I found out that uh, 17.3 million American adults are currently battling depression this year. And that's not even considering the additional one point. 9 million American children that are battling and facing depression right now. 17.3 million American adults and 1.9 million children are battling, will battle depression this year. I don't know about you, but that's a staggering statistic, and and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Before we move further, I want us to identify what exactly depression is. And here's the definition for depression. They have it up there on the screen. It says this, depression, a mood or emotional state that is marked by feelings of low self-worth or guilt and a reduced ability to enjoy life. Read that one more time. This is the definition for depression, a mood or emotional state that is marked by feelings of low worth or guilt and a reduced ability to enjoy life. Here's some symptoms of depression. Depression can cause reduced emotional expression, lack of energy and motivation, and hopelessness. Other effects can include frequent absences from school or work and poor performance, poor concentration, a major change in eating and or sleeping patterns, low self-esteem or, and guilt, extreme sensitivity to rejection or failure, increased irritability, anger, and hostility. Now, the purpose of this message is not to diagnose your condition tonight. I'm not here to point at anybody in here and say, you're depressed. And that's not why I'm here tonight. And also, I understand that there's some cases, guys, where, where there's a chemical imbalance or mental illness that actually causes depression. I believe in that. 
And I don't want this message to encourage someone not to take medication any longer. If you've been, if you've been prescribed, if anybody's watching online and you've been prescribed by a medical doctor or by a doctor to take medication due to depression, I want to encourage you to keep on taking that because the, the uh, medication uh, can help assist and it's designed to assist when it comes to medication for depression. It's, it, it's made to, and it's designed to assist you when it comes to bringing balance back into your system. And I've known people, friends and other people I've met that have battled depression. They battled depression and they went to a doctor and they got medication and along with prayer and the medication that they took and trusting to God, God had delivered them from depression. Does anybody here believe that we serve a God that still delivers and restores and redeems and makes whole? The truth is, tonight I'm not here to address your chemical imbalance. I'm not here to address your chemical imbalance. I'm here to address the spiritual imbalance in some people's lives. I'm not here to address your chemical imbalance. I'm here to address the spiritual imbalance in some people's lives. Because sometimes depression is actually self-inflicted. Sometimes we allow depression in our life. Sometimes we allow the enemy to mess with our hearts. And honestly, one of the biggest myths of Christianity, in my opinion, is that just because you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, just because you believe in God, that you have to be perfect. And that you have to put on a mask like everything's all right and everything's fine. And you can't talk to anybody else about your struggles, issues, or problems. That is not the case. And I'm not giving anybody in here permission to act negative all the time and act down and depressed and just not focus on anything good every time that you come to church. All I'm saying is you need to be sure that you have people in your life that you, that, that you trust, that you know love you, that, that you know love God, that you can confide in, not people that will join your pity party and speak death over you or speak hopelessness or despair. But you need to make sure you surround yourself with people that will be encouraging, that will speak life, and that will get you closer to Jesus Christ. Christ. Can I get an amen to that? So it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say that you're not okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. It's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay that way. And I want to read a story in the Bible of someone who battled oppression by the name of Elijah. I'm sure some of you guys are familiar with the story. And I want to summarize maybe a longer summer, summarization of the story of Elijah and how Elijah got into depression. But for those that do not know, let me give it to you like this, because we're going to be looking at 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verse 1 through 8. You can turn there now if you'd like. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 through 8. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says this. Actually, before we get into it, I'm going to give you guys a little summary. So Elijah is a major prophet in the Bible. Major prophet in the Bible. And while Elijah is living and while Elisha is a prophet, there's also a king by the name of King Ahab and a queen by the name of Jezebel. And they are corrupt, evil, and wicked rulers for Israel, if not the most wicked rulers of Israel in the Bible. King Ahab marries the wrong woman, makes a covenant with the wrong woman. My dad's always told me this. 90% of the success in your life is going to be dependent and hinged on who you marry and who you get with. Can I get an amen? How many people know that's true? You can either marry your, your 
I've heard this from Alex. He said, you can either marry your, your helpmate or you can actually marry your hellmate. King Ahab married the hellmate because uh, Jezebel was actually a false god worshiper. She worshiped a false god by the name of Bel. His name was Bel. And, and then also another one by the name of Asherah. And actually, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel had employed about 850 false prophets for those false gods. This making sense to you guys tonight? They'd employed 850 false prophets, and, she, and Jezebel had actually influenced King Ahab so much. I'm going somewhere. We need to understand this and appreciate and digest this. But, but, King, but what happened was Queen Jezebel had influenced King Ahab so much to where he was actually turning away from God and the things of God, and the nation of Israel was actually turning away from God, so much so that they began killing and murdering the, the true prophets of God, the prophets of Yahweh, to the point where Elijah is the last prophet. He's the last of his kind. And what happens is Elisha gets upset. He's fed up with it. He goes to King Ahab, and he tells King Ahab, okay, because you've done this, because this is going on, there's going to be a drought. There's going to be a famine. It's not going to rain for many years. Elijah leaves after he says that. King Ahab and Queen Jezebel chase after him. They want to kill him. They want to murder him. But three years later, there's still a drought. There's still a famine. He gets instructed by God. Elijah gets instructed by God to go back to King Ahab and tell him that it will rain again. But whenever he goes to King Ahab, this is what happens. You guys following along tonight? Here's what happens. He tells King Ahab, they get into a discussion, and he says, enough is enough. Let's find out who the true God is. Elijah was an OG. He was a gangster, man. He went to King Ahab, like, let's find out who the true God is. Let's do this. Let's, let's meet on this mount, on Mount Carmel. Let's gather the whole nation of Israel around us. You bring all of your prophets, all 850 prophets, 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. They come, and Elijah says this. He said, this is the competition. We're going to have two bulls. You're going to have a bull. I'm going to have a bull. We're going to put them uh, on the ground, and, and we're going to take turns. And the first God that answers by fire, whoever, whoever God, whoever, whoever's God answers by fire is the real God. So he lets the, the, the false prophets go first. And what happens is this. Uh, they start worshiping. They start pleading. They start crying out to their God. They start crying out to Baal. And, and what ends up happening is, and they end up getting to the point where they cut themselves. But guess what? They're not real gods. They're lowercase g gods. The God doesn't answer they look dumb. Elijah says, he makes fun of them, mocks, and he says, hey, maybe your God's sleeping. Yell a little louder. Elijah steps up, and he doesn't just have the bull in the wood. He actually builds a trench where they put the, the wood and the bull in the trench, and they get jars of water, and they put it inside the trench. And what ends up happening is Elijah says a prayer. He asks God to send fire, and guess what? God answers by fire, the nation of Israel is blown away. They turn against all 850 prophets, uh, the false prophets, and they, they end up killing and murdering all the prophets. King Ahab gets away, and this is the turning point. I say all that to say this. King Ahab gets away. He goes to Jezebel, tells Jezebel what happened. Jezebel sends a message to Elijah and tells Elijah this. She says, you will be dead, pretty much summarize it, paraphrase it. You will be dead by this time tomorrow. 
Elijah, the one who defeated 850 prophets of Baal, the one who called fire down from heaven, gets so scared and becomes so fearful, he runs for his life, gets seated, and he sits under a broom bush, and he asks God to kill him. So I want to read this to you guys tonight. Is this making sense to you guys? 1 Kings 19, verse 1 through 8 says this, Now Ahab, King Ahab, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Talking about the, the false prophets. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Elijah talking to God. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread uh, bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, he ate, and he drank. You guys following along tonight? Pause for one second before we, leave, before we read the last verse. So you're telling me that God instructed Elijah to eat some bread, drink some water, and take a nap. And God allowed Elijah to, to take a nap, to get some strength, to rest and recuperate before he went on his journey. Napping is in the Bible, y'all. Jesus himself took naps. Whenever they're crossing the Sea of Galilee with the disciples, it says that Jesus is asleep. He's in the stern. He's in the bottom of the boat. Jesus is chilling while the disciples are freaking out, right? And the Bible says that on the seventh day, God, he rested. Why? Because he saw everything that was created, and he knew that it was good. It wasn't because God is tired. That's not why God did it. It's because God wanted to set a pattern in place in our lives for us to rest. Somebody say rest. You got to learn how to rest in life. You got to learn how to just press pause and take a day of just rest. You got to treat yourself. Somebody say treat myself. You got to rest in God. See, sometimes one of the most spiritual things that you can ever do in life is take a, uh, take a nap. Sometimes that's one of the most spiritual things that you can do is just take a nap. Let me be more specific. Some of you guys on your day off or some of you guys after a Sunday service need to go through Popeye's, come on somebody, or raising canes when it gets built. You need to get yourself a big box of chicken or something, eat it, then go take a nap. Then after you take the nap, you wake up. It's in the middle of the day. You wake up, you make some cookies, get some milk, eat it, go back to bed, and just sleep. Don't be even be worried about tomorrow. Somebody needs to learn how to take a rest. Now, I'm not saying to be lazy because there's a big difference between being lazy and resting. You need to learn how to rest and to take a day off. Honestly, God instructed Elijah. He gave him food and he took a nap. Man, some of us are so worried. We're so fearful. We're so antsy. We're so on edge because we haven't truly rested. We haven't rested in God and his finished work. Can I hear somebody say amen tonight? Somebody turn to the person next to you and say, say, chill out. You need to learn how to rest. You need to learn how to take a nap. So it says, strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days in 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Elijah is a significant figure in the Bible. 
Elijah, we, we read, you know, he was used mightily by God. Defeated 850 false prophets, but on top of that, God used him to rebuke the rain. God used him to raise a young boy back from the dead. You can find out in scripture, he actually outran, God gave him supernatural speed. He outran chariots and horses. He multiplied a widow's flour and oil. And Elijah, he doesn't even get to heaven by death. It says that God took Elijah up in a whirlwind into heaven. There's only two people in the Bible that were taken to heaven while they were alive, Enoch and Elijah. Elijah's one of them. And on top of that, in the New Testament, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus is doing ministry on the earth, it says that Moses and Elijah appear to Jesus and minister to him, maybe even encourage him. And it says that Peter, James, and John, three of the apostles, three of the disciples, they're on the mountain. and they become so just like mind-blown because they see Elijah, they see Moses, they see Jesus, and they start saying, we need to build a monument, we need to build a tent, we need to do something for you guys. So you're telling me this Elijah, this man of God, the one who called fire down from heaven, he fell into depression. He fell into depression. The same Elijah that asked God to bring fire down from heaven is the same Elijah that asked God to kill him. How does that make sense? Because the reality is, you got to understand this: Elijah is still a human being. Elijah is still a man. And I don't care how strong you are or how independent you are, we are all susceptible as human beings to fall into a, bit, a pit of despair, to fall into sadness, and to fall into depression. See, even no one is invincible. Even pastors and other leaders in recent years have fallen to depression and suicide. And I need to say this from the pulpit because we need to make sure that we're aware of this. There was a study that was done in the Schaefer Institute found out that 35% of pastors battle depression. 35% of pastors battle depression. And on top of that, an alarming amount of pastors have taken their lives in the past five years. Even more recently, a megachurch pastor by the name of Jared Wilson battled depression and committed suicide this last month. The sad thing is he was an advocate for mental health. Since his death, many churches, and even before his death with other pastors, many churches are confronting this issue of depression and suicide more and more. And I want to encourage you, church, real quick with this, and those that are watching online, to pray for your pastors. I'm going to let that sit and soak for a minute. We all need prayer. We all need people behind us. Pray for your pastors as they pray for you. And don't just pray every other day. Choose to pray every single day. Can I hear an amen tonight? You need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for your leaders. Your prayers do make a difference in life. When you wake up, I love how we have prayer in the morning here at this church. Our pastors, we get here as early as 6 a.m., and the doors are open from 6 a.m. to 7.30 a.m., Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday, for you to come to God's house. And I think this morning we had 10 people come through for prayer. God said that his house should be called, is called to be a house of prayer. And I also want to say this. One of the best ways to come against depression, negative attitudes, your flesh, and your emotions is praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues. 
Maybe you don't understand what that means fully. Maybe you don't comprehend it. Maybe you just don't understand it. We have a born-again crew led by our pastor, by Pastor Bobby, that meets every month, if not twice a month, in Legacy. The details are online. It's a crew where he goes and he talks about the born-again experience. It's not weird. It's from God. And the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, I thank God. It's in the Bible. He said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. So everybody prayed in tongues, and the Apostle Paul said, I thank God I pray in tongues more than all, all of you. You know what praying in tongues d- does? You know what praying in the Holy Ghost does in your quiet time, in your prayer time, when you're, when, you're, when you're here in the morning? You know what it does? It helps build your faith. And we all need building up at times. So if anybody ever asks you, why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because it builds your faith, and it helps build you up. And I promise you, in those moments where you feel down, discouraged, and depressed, you had a bad day at work or whatever, sometimes you got to go into the restroom, lock the door, and just start meditating on the goodness of God and start praying in tongues and, and just speak to the devil and say in the name of Jesus, all these negative attitudes, any evil spirit that has attached itself to me through other people or things has to go right now. And you start praying in tongues because even when you pray in tongues, when you don't know what to pray, the spirit knows what to pray. This making sense to you guys. This is something, I mean, you need to grab a hold of this tonight. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap. But as we move forward, we need to understand that depression doesn't just happen all the time, that there are stages of sadness. And I want to list them out to you guys. I want to make this very practical tonight because there are stages to sadness. There are stages that can actually lead to depression. The stages of sadness, the first one, of, first one is this, downcast. Somebody say downcast. Now, a downcast feeling, this stage, this first stage of sadness is immediately circumstantial. And this is usually a bad day. Something bad happens in the day. There was an argument. You made a mistake. Someone hurt you. You hurt yourself. And people usually get over it in a day or so. Something happens. You just have a bad day. Someone mistreats you. You make a mistake. You fail, and you get into a feeling. You get into a slump where you feel down. People usually get over it in a day. That's a downcast feeling. Secondly is discouragement. Somebody say discouragement. Now, if a downcast feeling lingers for a week or longer, it can can actually become discouragement. And this happens when you haven't found a way to think about it to help you move forward. So after that downcast feeling, if you hold on to it and you still feel down or so for, for, for multiple days, it can turn into a feeling of discouragement. Some people, you talk to them in a week or a month, and you talk to them every other day, and you, you ask, how you doing? How you feeling? I've heard some people say, I just feel discouraged. I just feel discouraged. See, there's that discouraging feeling. Thirdly is depression. Somebody say Depression. I want to make this very practical. Is this making sense to you guys? Nod your head yes if it is making sense to you guys. Okay, cool. So depression. Now, if discouragement lingers, and even if the circumstance changes and the blues still remain, you can start to get into depression. Now, depression is very, very serious. And depression is when when, when, when you do or don't know what's wrong and can't seem to shake it. Even whenever the circumstance changes that made you feel down, that made you feel uh, discouraged, even when it does change and you still feel in the blues, that could be a sign that there's depression taking place. And then also despair, the last one, despair. Somebody say despair. And this one breaks my heart. It should break your heart as well. See, depressive states that continue can lead to despair, and despair is what leads people to do desperate things like suicide. 
It, 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 honestly, that, that word just breaks my heart, that someone gets to a point in, in their life where they would much rather not be on this earth. They would much rather take their life. Here's something about suicide. I want you to, I want you to grab a hold of this. See, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I want to take this opportunity right now to speak against any negative, evil spirit that has attached itself to people, that is whispering in your ear, telling you to end it all, and it would be much better if you were not here on this earth. Or maybe you feel depressed right now. You're sitting in this seat. You're, you're listening to what I'm saying, and you're saying, that's me. That's what I'm going through. That's, that's what's happening right now. I want to speak right now in the name of Jesus that that thing has to go right now in the name of Jesus. If there's any spirit, of, come on, raise your hands right now. This is your moment right here. I want to take this opportunity. I feel led by God. If there's anything in this building, we claim right now, and we speak it in the name of Jesus. We are the, the children of the most high God. God, we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath God. We are victors. We are not victims, God. And we speak right now life in the name of Jesus. And we speak against any depressing spirit that has made its way in this building right now. We speak against anything, Lord, any suicidal thought. It has to go right now. Oh, thank you, God. It has to go right now in the name of Jesus. Give God some praise if you believe that tonight. I feel that. I feel that fire in my belly. It has to go. It has to go. Snap from God. That's snap from God. See, downcast is a bad day. Discouragement is a bad week or month. Depression is I do or don't know what's wrong and can't seem to shake it. And despair is everything is wrong and it's never going to change. Despair is everything is wrong and it's never going to change. To change, But I believe there's other things that we can look at in Elijah's story that can lead to depression if we're not careful, even being children of God. See, Elijah went, to a, went from a downcast feeling to a despair feeling very quickly. Here's some things I found in Elijah's story that, that, that can lead to depression. The first one is this. There's four things. It's faulty thinking. Somebody say faulty thinking. And if you look at verse 2, it says this. It says that Jezebel told Elijah that he would be dead by tomorrow. But what we find out is it took a day to travel to where he was going. So even though he was threatened that he would be, done, he would be dead by the next day, he still lived to the next day. So he overcame the report and the negative report, the ungodly report that was spoken over him, and yet he still let fear and worry overtake him. He was worried about stuff that didn't even take place. See, faulty thinking, he had a faulty thinking. Faulty thinking can cause anxiety. Somebody say anxiety. I want to touch, about, I want to touch up on this real quick. See, anxiety is a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. It is common for people that experience anxiety to also feel depressed. And the symptoms of anxiety and depression can actually overlap. But Jesus says that, Jesus said this, he said, do not worry about tomorrow. Anxiety is when you're worried, where you're fearful, you're worried about tomorrow's bills, you're, you're worried about tomorrow's relationship, you're worried about the future. Some of us worry about issues and things that, that, that are 10 years from now that we're never going to walk into and we're never going to experience. See, that's what the enemy would love to do to you. He would love to talk you out of walking into the fullness and the goodness of God and make you become fearful. He would love to do that. But I'm telling you tonight, when you feed your faith, your fears will starve in the name of Jesus. If you feed your faith, your fears will starve. Don't worry. See, worry is like this. 
Worry is like a rocking chair. You'll move and you'll move, you'll shake, but you won't make any more progress. You won't go anywhere. So don't worry. Somebody say don't worry. Secondly is this, isolation. Isolation. Somebody say isolation. It says this in the story in verse 4. It says that Elijah ventured off and he was by himself. Things that can lead to depression. He was by himself. See, the enemy would love to convince you that nobody cares about you. The enemy would love to convince you that nobody's there for you. The enemy would love to convince you that you can't talk or trust anyone. But there's some people, I'm telling you right now, we care as a church. We have some amazing elders. We have amazing department, department leaders, volunteers, and pastors that are here to talk to you. If you need anything, if you're going through anything, you always have someone to talk to, especially if you call this church home, because we love people. We love people. We love you guys. There's always someone to talk to. to, talk to. See, you're not alone, and people do care. The enemy would like to tell you you're by yourself. But God, it, says that, it says that God sent an angel to Elijah. So that tells me that God saw Elijah. He sent an angel. So that tells me that God never left Elijah. And I want to speak right now that God has never left you and God has never forsaken you. God has never failed you. God is always right there with you. If everybody leaves you high and dry, I can promise you Jesus Christ will be with you to love you, to embrace you, to help you, to encourage you. God is there. Somebody say God is there. Thirdly is emotions. Somebody say emotions. In verse number four, it says that he prayed that he might die due to one bad day. He, he prayed that he may die due to one bad day. One bad day. Get this too. This is something I thought about a little bit. I figured I'll put it in there. I just want to say this. Your feelings will mislead you. Your feelings can, will lie to you. Really, but don't function off your feelings. Don't operate off of your emotion. Operate off of your devotion. Not off your emotion, but through your devotion. See, how could Elijah go from such a high moment to such a low moment so fast? He just defeated 850 false prophets, and it says that he went from a high moment to a low moment so quick. He went from the mountaintop to the valley so fast because of his feelings. And it can happen to us too. I don't know if you've noticed this in your life. I've noticed it in my life. That sometimes when we build off of moments of hype, when we build off of mountaintop moments, sometimes whenever things go back to normal, things go back to mediocre, or, or something bad happens that trips us up, we can go from the top to the bottom so quick. That's why my dad always tells me this. He says, Caleb, never let the highlight of your ministry be on the pulpit, on the stage in front of everybody else. Because if that's your highlight in ministry, just being on the pulpit, talking and communicating to people, ministry is going to be like a roller coaster because you're always going to be looking for that next moment. But rather, when you're on the pulpit, have a desire to get back in the presence of God in private it gets the prayer closet, build your life on that because life will be much more steady, smooth sailing, and you'll be able to go further. Uh, anybody believe this tonight? So what I want to say is this. Don't build your life off of experiences in your life, whether things are good or whether things are bad. Build your life on the rock. Build your life on Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what storm comes your way. No matter, no matter what demons you may face, you got to know your life is built on the rock and your house will stand. I feel this tonight. It's good stuff. And also, don't make big decisions when you're very emotional. Some of us get so emotional, we make major decisions in the middle of our emotion. 
and we can make wrong decisions, and we can hurt people when, when we're in our emotions, even to your kids, even to your loved ones. Sometimes we say stuff that shouldn't be said. Why? Because we say what, 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 what's in our heart in that moment. But sometimes you got to separate yourself. you got to make sure you have a filter on your mouth. You have a filter in your heart, and you don't operate off of your feelings. Anybody agree with this tonight? See, control your emotions. Don't let them control you. Lastly is comparison. Somebody say comparison. Because this is, this is what got me too. In verse number four, Elijah said that he is no better than his ancestors. He said that he was no better than his ancestors. I've heard a quote before, and I think it's so true. The quote goes like this. It says, don't compare your behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. Don't compare your behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. We live in an age and we live in a day of comparison, especially on social media. Social media, it's more, than, it's more easy than ever to look at someone's Instagram feed, to look at their page, to go to their Facebook profile, and guess what? They don't usually put the worst things of their life. Some people do. <laughs> Some people put the worst stuff. They don't, they don't care. They put their dirty laundry. But most of the time, they like to present themselves just as perfect, everything's good, kids are good, their cover photos, all their kids, on their last vacation in Europe, but what you don't know, it's like living hell in that household because there's no respect of authority and there's arguments, and there, is this too real for you guys tonight? All I'm saying is, everything may look better at the surface right now, but we all have issues, we all have troubles, we all have tribulations, we all have things to face, and your story is unique, and it's not worthy of comparison, because when you compare yourself to other people, the enemy's going to come, and he's going to steal your joy, and that is not God's will. You need to stop comparing yourself. Oh, man, I just feel this, because I've done this in my life. I compare myself. We look at other people, but that is not God's will. That's what Elijah did. So as we come to a close tonight, you guys can stand on your feet. Tonight, this makes sense to, to you guys. Did anybody grab something? You can stand to your feet tonight. See, depression, depression is when you stay in a place you weren't called to stay. That's what depression is. When you stay in a place you weren't called to stay. You have built a home where there should have been a tent. You've built a home where there should have been a tent. But I love this because it says that Elijah got up. It says that Elijah got up and God still used him mightily. See, some of you guys are down right now. Lives beat you down. You beat yourself down. Other people have beat you down. And you feel down. You feel downcast. You feel discouraged. You feel depressed. You, maybe you may feel that, 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 that despair like Elijah did. I'm telling you right now, that is not God's will for your life. See, if you're down tonight, you need to get up. Somebody say get up. Because it's not as bad as you think. God wants you to live a joyful, faith-filled, loving life where, where honestly you're around people and they see something different on the inside of you. They see the love of God. They see the light of God. They say something's different about that person. Even when things are bad, even when things are chaotic, they have a peace. They have something about them. What do people say about you? Don't just, honestly, I, I encourage you, if you feel down, you feel discouraged, I'm not, you can talk, you can confide to someone, but if you're feeling down, you can talk to someone. You can get better. God can restore. I want to read this verse to you guys. This is such an amazing verse. First Peter 5, uh, 6 through 7 says this. It says, humble yourselves, 
therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Somebody say, God cares for me. Don't ever say that God doesn't care for you. Don't ever say that God doesn't care about the world. Don't ever say that God doesn't care. Guess what? God cares so much. You know how I know that? He sent his son to die on the cross for you. Jesus Christ, the son of God, he died on the cross. So God isn't mad at you. God's madly in love with you. Can I hear an amen tonight? See, God not only knows how you feel, he feels what you feel. God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on yourself. God has not given up on you. Don't you ever, ever give up on yourself. Whatever God has started, he will be faithful until the day of completion. God's not done. He's not quitting on you. He loves you. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. Somebody say, I have a future. Somebody say, I'm not done yet. Somebody say, God's not done yet. Oh, come on, give Jesus a shout of praise right now in this church. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I want to pray over you guys right now one last time. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you felt a little bit of what I said. Maybe it related to you or maybe somebody else right now. Did you know that right now in this moment, you can bridge the gap. You can intercede for someone that you know that is going through depression. And maybe you are the answer to the prayer that you're praying. Maybe God wants to actually use you to make a difference in their life. Has that ever occurred to you? That God wants to use you? God wants to use any, he wants to use you to make a difference. I want to pray right now. God, I, I thank you, Lord, for every person. Whoever's open to receive this right now, just have your heart open. Just talk to God right now. God, I pray over every person underneath the sound of my voice, God. And I pray right now in the name of Jesus that, that depression has to go, that suicidal thoughts have to go, that, that feeling of downcast, that feeling of discouragement, that feeling of depression, that feeling of despair has to go in the name of Jesus. You tell us, Lord, that you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. So we speak right now in the name of Jesus, that we would recognize, that we would have discernment, Lord, for what's from you and what's not from you, God, for any evil spirit, Lord, right now, anything, Jesus, any curse, any lie, any negative word, any gossip, any slanders that's been spoken over our lives, God, we will not believe that in the name of Jesus. We do not claim it. We say go back to where it came from right now in the name of Jesus. We are victors. Lord, touch every person, God. Let them have a boldness, God, and endurance, God, and let them stand out to make a difference for you, God. Let them go out, God, to all ends of the earth, God, and be a light, to be the salt and the light of the earth, God. It's in your name we pray. And I want to give somebody an opportunity to give their life to Jesus right now. To, to start the relationship with God because God loves you. John 3, 16 says this. It says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel and that's the good news that Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven. And the way that we do that is we just confess our sins. We repent of our sins. We ask God for forgiveness. We forgive other people. We believe that Jesus is Lord, that he died from the he, 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 that he died and that he rose from the dead. So I want to give somebody an opportunity and all you got to do is this. You just got to repeat after me. And church family, you can repeat after me as well during this moment. It Maybe you prayed this a thousand times. You can pray this like it's your very first time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, come on, repeat after me. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. 
I forgive other people. I repent for everything, all known and unknown sins. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you're Lord. I believe that you're real. I believe that you died, and I believe that you rose. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand clap, church. Thank you for listening to the Covenant Life Center podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, then subscribe and follow us on social media at CLC Victoria. Connect with us by visiting our website, clcvictoria.org.